If you're not reaching your financial potential, you're going it alone as a solopreneur, or you're lacking fulfillment and meaning in your life, then this podcast is for you. In each and every episode, Rock helps you create breakthroughs and results so you can live life on your terms. So get ready to unleash more money, time, and magic in your life. Here's your host, Rock Thomas. Hey, welcome to another episode of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life. And that's what I love to do is help you become financially free so you have the time to do the things you want in your life. But before we get started today, I wanted to remind you that if you truly do want more out of your life, there has to be another way, yes? Because the wanting of more means that the strategy you currently have isn't working. So whether you want it in your business or you need a more supportive environment, you know, wherever you are, you're tired of not living into your gifts and doing the mundane and things that don't excite you, then I know I can help. All you have to do is jump on a call with one of my directors of opportunity at rockthomas.com forward slash VIP call. And we are there to truly help you understand how when you rock your money, you will also rock your life. So what are you waiting for? Go to rockthomas.com forward slash VIP call and let's get started today. Where we really look at people's programming and we rip it open and decide with you and with my guests, whether the past labels are serving them or enslaving them. And today's guest has had a storied past, battled alcoholism and drug addiction at a very young age. His parents were both 17 when they had them. And you can imagine that the programming at that stage was a little wonky and a little bit off. And uh, he, he recovered and he went through that process. And now he's got a really cool mission and a vision where he wants to help other young men um, wake up and become wealthy. And that's his, um, the, the group that he operates. So I'm, I'm really fascinated by people that have, in a short period of time, moved toward a spiritual journey and understand that it's all about software, the software in our brain. So he's come up with some I am statements. I am here to lead young men to inner and outer freedom and have a responsibility to do so. His favorite quote is the present is the future's past. So please help me welcome Brody Kern. Yeah, man, I'm excited to be here. It took us a little while to, uh, to put the deal together, um, just do some scheduling conflicts. But, uh, you know, man, I'm pumped. I'm really excited you're, to chat with you. You're today. a busy guy, so we appreciate you being here and I think that uh, the listeners are in for a treat because, you know, addictions are something that we all have, whether you admit it or not. And I grew up in a difficult environment and, you know, I have, I've tried all the, all the addictions, you know, workaholism, uh, gossip, um, pornography, uh, drugs, the whole thing. And it was just to, to get myself out of pain. Let's talk a little bit about your journey through that cycle. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, and you, you know, you hit the nail on the head when you said everybody everybody has things that they they go to, and sedation comes in a lot of different forms, right? And it's all all stuff I have battled with um, at a very high level, and it was because I had a lot of pain. I I had you know two households growing up. One was very one was very normal, very stable, and one was very turbulent. And that contrast, you know, made me very confused as a young man. And, and leading into my late teens and early 20s, um, I had become very dependent on hard drugs and alcohol 
because of all the pain that I possessed. And I didn't know who I was and, and it gave me, it gave me an identity. It gave me, gave me a place where I fit in and a place where I was very, you know, good at something. Um, but what I didn't realize that was going on at that time is that I, I was just, I was sedating at such a, such a high level that there was, there was no time or space created for me to understand myself or to learn or to grow. And, you know, as the story of hard drugs and alcohol abuse goes, you know, my, my body started to deteriorate. The progression that most alcoholics and addicts take over 40, 50 years, um, I did in five. Wow. I want to break that down a bit. You talked about your identity, and this is a show about identity. You said you fit in and you were good at something. What were you, what were you good at? Were you a leader of a gang? Were you part of a group? What, what do you mean by that? Well, man, I was just, uh, you know, on the outside, I, I, was, I was this normal kid. You know what I mean? I, I played sports growing up. Um, and then when I went to college, you know, I joined a fraternity and all of these things. And going out and being like alcohol and drugs allowed me to be very social. They brought, also brought out the very outspoken and charismatic version of myself. And they allowed me to hide all of the negative things and I could choose just one area of my personality where it would shine, right? And so, you know, I could go into a bar, I could go into a party, I could go into any sort of place and under the influence for a long time until things started to get bad, um, I could run a room. You know what I mean? Like I was always, I was always taking control of what was going on in the social situation and it, it gave me, it gave me light. Yeah. So what was the inner narrative that was going on for you? What was the, the non-charismatic or the non-full-of-liquid-courage guy saying to himself? What was your identity? So it progressed over the years from the time I was about 17 to when I went to rehab at 21. Um, but it, it, it was all the same. It just progressed in magnitude. But the time that I, I wasn't under the influence, you know, I, I really struggled with uncertainty. Like I had no idea where I was going, what I was capable of, who I was supposed to become. I was trying to follow this pattern that I thought I was supposed to do, which was like, you know, go to school, get a job. Everybody around me seemed to be doing it and they were relatively happy. And I started to realize that it, it wasn't for me, but I, I was so, I didn't have the confidence to step out onto my own path. And so I continued to live out of alignment with, you know, what I later found out who I was supposed to become, but huge feelings of unworthiness, massive insecurities, um, really comparing my, really, really focusing on how I was being perceived and never how I perceive myself. So one of the things that I've learned over time is that people want to belong, they want to connect, and they want to know that they matter. 100%. And especially us men, we need a place where we can go win, which really personifies those things. So when you're running a room, you have all of that, right? You belong, you matter, and you're connecting. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And the reason I, ch I went there is because, I mean, dude, I wasn't, I wasn't the smartest guy. I wasn't like the most talented guy. Um, I didn't really have anything else going for me. And, but or so that, you thought, or so you thought, so I thought totally, but it, it, in the container in which I lived 
and the context that I chose to look at, that was my area where I was the best. Yeah. I'm guessing you're probably pretty good at sports too, though. Yeah, I was good at sports, totally. But, you know, and, and part of the deal, like, I chose not to go play college baseball because I wanted to, I wanted to go to school and party. I figured out that I really loved the social scene by that time. But what I didn't understand was going to happen is in the absence of sports and structure came, you chaos. know, yeah, chaos because there, there, and then moving away to go to college, there was all of a sudden all this time and all this choice. And up until that point, everything had really been chosen. You know what I mean? I had, ch I had chose to play baseball, but it, it took up a huge part of my day. I was going to school. Then I had all these choices of what I do with my time. Like, I don't have to go to class, right? And so I always went to the thing that seemed fun. Yeah, totally understandable. And they say the idle mind is the devil's workshop. So, you know, you got yourself into trouble because you had time on your hands. Let's talk a little bit about the programmers in your life. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, both of my parents were 17 when they had me oh, wow. and they were never together. And so I had a lot of really different conditioning coming in. Um, my mother was an alcoholic and a drug addict my entire time growing up. Um, and my father, you know, he worked his ass off. He created the best life that he could. Um, and he you know, really was a great parent, but he himself, even, you know, now it's like he had never been exposed to any sort of personal, nobody in my life had been exposed to any sort of personal development. Um, aside from my father on both sides of my family, everyone was addicts and alcoholics. And it was just, they, it was total survival mode, right? Total scarcity mode. I was programmed with a really negative relationship with money, a really negative, like a really unrealistic viewpoint of how the world worked. Um, and just the conversation of possibility was never really a thing. You know, it was like, this is, you know, this is, and, and it was never, we were never, it was never talked about, right? All I did was spectate how they lived. And through that, I had my context for what reality would be. You said they didn't live together? No. No. So you, did you go back and forth or how did that work? I, I went back and forth. And so that was, that was part of the confusion uh, as a child um, because I, I, my dad got remarried or I guess married for the first time. My parents were never married, uh, but my dad got married when I was young ish, like seven or eight. And that household was very stable. Like we didn't talk about, you know, my dad had never been exposed to personal development, wasn't super successful at that time, but like they were, there was no chaos. There was no turbulence. Like there was a lot of love in that household. And then my other household, um, my mother was a functioning alcoholic. So she was, she was a nurse and she, she had a really good job and, and worked really hard, but then she would come home, she would go out. I saw all, all sorts of terrible stuff. She was really mentally and physically abusive. Um, and so I had pended in my mind somewhere when I was young that if I was better, my mom wouldn't drink. And that's where the feeling of unworthiness started to really manifest itself because I had set those conditions and those bounds. And the way that that feeling of inadequacy or unworthiness developed over time, it, it was everything that led me to my addiction. Wow. So you're, how's, how's your relationship with your mom now? 
Um, it, it is as good as it can be. Like it, it is a work in progress at all times. We still, um, you know, and me going through AA and working through a lot of stuff with her, um, you know, it, it is, it's a relationship. It's workable. Um, there was a long time, there was a long time where it wasn't. I cut my mom out for years once I, you know, once I was an early adult. So let's talk a little bit about, um, how you were able to overcome this addiction because you had an identity and this is the crux of this, this podcast is we all get programmed and generally by people that did the best they could with what they had. They just had shitty programmers for themselves and they, they developed a filter to see the world. They did what they could do. They were trying to get out of their own pain, etc. They downloaded, like you said, you witnessed, their way of living and you took on what, what else are you supposed to do? If your parents ate with their hands, you would probably eat with your hands. It's just, you don't know any better, right? We're vulnerable that way. But as you get older, you start to realize that this addiction was not working. Right. And so tell us a little bit about some of those glimpses into that when you start to realize this is not functioning long-term. So what really started to happen is, you know, with drugs and alcohol come massive depression and anxiety. Um, and all of this would compound every single day. And on top of this, you know, I had mentioned that I took a really fast progression as an alcoholic. My body was shutting down. I couldn't, I couldn't drink or do the amounts of drugs that I could before. Um, and I started ending up in the hospital a lot. And whether it be overdose or like some other, you know, random scenario. But the year that I was 21, um, it was 2015. And well, late 2014, early 2015, you know, I overdosed um, six times and three of which being three days in a row in early 2015. And I just, I came to a realization that I was going to die. Um, it was a miracle that I hadn't, I, I had already lost some friends. And in a moment of clarity, you know, I just, looking back just as easily, on this third day of me waking up in the hospital in restraints, I thought maybe there's another way, you know what I mean? And I just as easily, because I had done it time and time again, I just decided that like, it was time to go to rehab. You know, I had known that I was an alcoholic for probably two years. There was never any, I, there was never any denial or question of that. Like I, you know, it was just very, very prevalent. Like if I didn't drink, I would get the shakes. Like, um, and so a brief moment of clarity, I, I got a calling to check myself into rehab. And this, this was the catalyst, right? Because getting exposed to the program of AA, you learn something power, powerful. And that is, that is granularity. Like, they have a cliche saying in AA one day at a time, right? And I remember I, I was in a, I was in AA or I was in rehab and I went to my first AA meeting. It was a 28-day inpatient rehab treatment center. And so, you know, we went off site, we went to an AA meeting, and you know, at this point I'm 10 days sober. And uh a guy there picked up a chip for 32 years sober. And I came back from that meeting and I remember just panicking of holy holy shit, man, how am I going to stay sober for 32 years? I bawled my eyes out. It was a really emotional experience. And luckily, you know, one of the other guys sat down with me and he was just like, dude, like, pay attention to the literature. Like you 
stay sober one day at a time. He's like, you don't have to stay sober for 32 years. You just have to make it till you go to sleep tonight. And that was a huge, huge breakthrough moment for me because understanding how to break things down to today. Um, and that, you know, this came to benefit me in a lot of ways later in business and my body and everything yes. that I was doing, getting down into the moment, um, was super valuable. But as far as making the transition, you know, it was that breakthrough. It was that one day at a time mindset because I was there. I didn't have my phone every single day that I got sober. I got a little more confidence. I got a little more clarity. I mean, dude, I remember even as far as like six months sober being like, wow, I thought I was clear three months ago. Now I'm super clear. Mm. Yeah, that's amazing. You and I talked a little bit before the show about uh, this whole world around, you know, the I am statements. And one of the things that, uh, you know, say Muhammad Ali, I am the greatest, right? Like he made these right. declarations and there were signals of performance to his nervous system. And any great athlete usually has a mantra for themselves, like I'm great under pressure or whatever it is. And they're signaling a directive because this force of, of making, we have a desire to remain consistent with how we describe ourselves. If you describe yourself, if you think you're an alcoholic, or in your case, when you went to parties, you had this identity you developed of, you know, I'm like, when I show up, the party begins or something like that, right? Right, totally. And people were expecting you to command the room, to be funny or, or whatever it was. And so you felt pressure to be that guy, which enhanced the desire to drink. Is that accurate? 100%. Yep. So you have that identity. But in AA, what, what shocks me is, and I get the, the psychology is, it's admitting that I can't do this on my own, right? I am an alcoholic. I need God's help. I need other people's help. I need help of the support group. But what confuses me is, how about saying something like, you know, I used to be an alcoholic. Why, why do you think that they don't say that? It, it, it is a really interesting argument. And, you know, I've spoken with hundreds of guys like you who are very deep into personal development, very powerful around, you know, the topic of conditioning and programming and understanding the I am statement. And there's a debate to be had there. Yeah. There really is. But not for me. And, and let me tell you what I mean. So... The mindset behind why they do that in AA is because they say that alcoholism is cunning, baffling, and powerful. Um, and, you know, they have this saying that, like, while you're in the rooms getting sober, your addiction's out in the parking lot doing push-ups. Um, and I've experienced this to be true, and I've watched it because I had a, I had a five-ish month relapse after the first time I went to AA, and it was significantly more turbulent than the time before. And over my course in AA, you know, every single time I watch someone relapse and go back out into the world using, uh, they come back worse than they did the first time. Um, there's this thing about AA and rehab that takes all the fun out of doing drugs and drinking. You know what I mean? It, and the reason that they still identify as alcoholics um, is to remind themselves of how powerless they are. The second that you forget it, the mind, the alcoholic mind is, like I said, cunning, baffling, and powerful. There are times where it will try to convince me that I can drink, that I can handle it, that I can do that. And remembering that and living by the steps um, 
it's just the only known solution to work over time and over the masses. Um, and so you get into this, you get into this really sticky conversation of how is there maybe a better way to optimize this program? Yes. But when you go to change it, when you go to change the system that is working, you are putting tons of lives at risk yeah. because for almost a hundred years now it's worked. Now, when we're talking about identifying as an alcoholic, for some people, it probably would benefit them to not consider themselves an alcoholic. Um, outside of that debate that I just said, right? But like in the context of this podcast and like how we talk, like, yeah, it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem that beneficial to identify as an alcoholic, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, here's my thought and why I said in the beginning, it's not, there's not a debate to be had for me. The thing that I am most grateful for to this day is the fact that I possess the disease of alcoholism. It has been my edge forever. It, and my obsessive nature, my, the way that I charge different tasks or goals or obstacles in my life is unlike anyone I know, because I always told myself if I go to the same lengths to be successful and to help people that I would to get loaded, it's game over. You know what I mean? Alcoholism, the mindset of an alcoholic it doesn't have to be a bad thing. And it was something that I embraced, you know, moderation was a word I remember hearing from a very young age because I was always obsessive. I was always intense. And I think that the narrative probably needs to be changed a little bit around what it means to be an alcoholic. Yeah. Well, if you know Grant Cardone, he talks about be obsessed or be average. And I love that sentence because it's, it's about, it's maybe justification for people like you and I that have addictive personalities. For me, I'm either all in or I'm all fucking out. Like I'm not interested in dabbling. I want to be completely invested. If I do something playing golf or if I'm building a business, I want to be the best. I want to go hard. I want to learn every detail. And that's part of the personality. And I think people like you and I are susceptible to alcoholism or to something else because of that, tendency. Does that make sense? Yeah, hundred percent. And I mean, here's the thing I love about the conversation of obsession. When you're obsessed, you throw, you throw emotion, you throw limiting belief, you throw even logic sometimes to the wayside because of your obsession creates certainty, right? And sometimes unreasonable certainty. And you and I both, there's, I'm sure plays that we have made in business that, you know, an infinite number of people would have said, why are you doing that? Yeah, yeah, there's no question. But I like what you said there, that um, obsession creates certainty. I've never heard it put that way. That's really, really powerful. It, and certainty is what so many people lack. It's almost like anger also creates certainty, but it's usually not for the greater good. Right. But obsession that creates certainty. Now that's a different thing. I think I like that. I think I'm going to use that in your intro, buddy. That's great. Love it. Love it. Look, let's talk a little bit about your mission, right? What, what you're all about is helping young men. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, man. I mean, really, if we break down what our mission is, it's to liberate men from the conditioned ego and to help them cultivate the power and purpose necessary to smash life and business. Like, 
that is the ethos of what Wake Up Wealthy is. You know, we are just like this podcast and just like you and I spoke about before this podcast, it's really breaking down conditioning and upload, like wiping the software clean and uploading a new software, a set of spiritual principles to live and operate by inside of the game of life and inside of the game of business. And, you know, over the course of 150 young male entrepreneurs that we've worked with over the last 18 months, we have been able to really refine a process that is repeatable. And my mission now, man, is to get it in the hands of as many young people, young men who can poss I possibly can in my time on this earth, because there's so much unnecessary pain going on out there and so many people with infinite potential. And when I think about the ripple effect of the work that we do, you know, we help one man who helps his family and helps his employees to help their families. I truly believe that the work that I've started here can have a global impact. I agree with you 100%. I think when you, when you heal one person, they're part of an ecosystem of a family that gets a ripple effect. And the better father becomes, you know, less fucked up kids. And, you know, nothing against our parents, but our parents gave us programming that was some somewhat neglect, et cetera. And if you have two parents at 17, let's face it, you're not prepared to be a parent. Uh, I don't know. That, that's really unfair, you know? Have you done any landmark work? No, I'm not familiar with what that is. <clears throat> it's great stuff. You can check it out, landmark. Um, but in this, they do a three-day a three session, and on the think of the last day, they have everybody in the room stand up that's 25 years and younger. Mm -hmm. They go, now, most of you that are older, like, say, myself in my 50s, they go, that's the age of your parent. That was the age of your parents when they had you. And it's just so graphic that you're like, I wouldn't want that kid over there, the 22-year-old kid being my parent. That kid yeah. doesn't even know what they're doing. But it hits you, you're like, oh my God, I'm mad at my parents, I'm blaming my parents because they did a shitty job. But if I was a parent at 22 or 17, I would have messed up a bunch of shit too. And then they go into a whole forgiveness process and you're like, oh my God, yeah, it's true. They didn't have the tools. So how have you done in the area of forget forgiveness with your, with your folks? Yeah, you know, I'll tell you, one of, the, one of the biggest breakthrough moments I had around the way that I view my relationship with my mother is, you know, when you're doing your fourth step in AA, um, they try to, so the fourth step in AA is where, you know, you take a fearless and searching moral inventory, right? You make a list of all people that you had harmed and everything that had, you know, happened. And they try to get you to find your part in the situation. And so, you know, when I was working with my sponsor, I was really resistant to this idea when it came to the conversation of my mother. I'm like, look, I didn't do anything here. You know what I mean? Like I got the short end of the stick and in, in very many ways, that's true. But what I came to realize is that also I didn't want when I was, and I was a kid, but like, I didn't want my mom to stop drinking because she was in pain. I wanted her to stop drinking because I was in pain and because it was embarrassing for me to the people in my life. Um, and looking at that, it really helped me understand the amount of pain that my mom was in and, and 
the, the, like, I didn't have the full scope of what was going on in the way that I viewed the situation. And it allowed me to really forgive. That's awesome. So tell, tell me a little bit, how does the program work for these young people? Where do you find them? And is it, is it a year long? Is it months? Is it online? Give us some background so we can know the, the type of person that can benefit from it. Yeah, so when we're talking about the Wake Up Wealthy Brotherhood, man, like there is, like the interesting thing about Wake Up Wealthy is that it, it's more than just some coaching program. It's more than just, you know, grow your income, learn this, learn that. Wealthy is a way of life and it's an idea. And so when guys come into it, they are joining a group of high level individuals, six and seven figure male entrepreneurs who they're all living the exact same way on the same set of principles. Like my life was heavily influenced by the mechanics of how AA works and how powerful it had become. And I had to build a process that gave young ambitious men a place to do the same thing that I had done there. And, you know, so we, the way wealthy is delivered is everybody starts with our 90 day program, their induction into the wake up wealthy brotherhood. And so, you know, they've got 24 hours of video content, course side of things, actionable resources. This is the indoctrination of what it means to live this way of life. It's called the mastery method. And living the mastery method is the embodiment of what it means to be a wake up wealthy brother. We do two group, group coaching calls a week. We have, you know, all, tons of our guys on there um, talking about topics, going through their problems. Um, and myself and the other coaches on my team really creating breakdown, like breakdown, breakthrough in real time. Um, and then, you know, everybody also gains access to the brotherhood through that. And so when guys start, we've had guys partner up in there, start businesses. We've had guys, I mean, be in each other's weddings, like all sorts of crazy shit, right? And it's because we've created a, a space where vulnerability is a requirement, where transparency is a requirement for membership. And so when you watch men do that, who have no, they, they, they come in and they share stuff that they can't share with their wives. They can't share with their business partners. They can't share with anyone else. And it, it's what makes the energy inside of this thing so electric. Um, and once they come in, you know, there's a lot of different pathways that we have created now in our time with Wealthy. I mean, we move into, we move into a couple different style of events, which if you hit, like one event that we just did and launched is called the Evolve Experience. It's a two-day almost Navy SEAL style boot camp. Um, it's a 48-hour immersive experience where everything is brought out. It is very intense, you know, physical breakdown so that you can have emotional breakthrough and, you know, evolve, evolve graduates. They get to go come back and lead evolve. They get to move on to a higher level program. Um, and so we're always creating ascension pathways for guys to go into with the ultimate, because some guys come in and they, you know, they have their business, but they start living this way of life and they start experiencing the feeling that comes from this kind of change and they want more of it, right? And so, you know, a percentage of our guys wanna end up becoming coaches with our stuff. And so, you know, we're creating models for them to go out and coach our stuff on their own and really scale this. Because I, I don't care if it's me spreading this message, I just need it to get to more people. Right, that's awesome. Well, congratulations on that. That's really high level work. Uh, who are some of your key mentors in your life? 
they've changed over time, obviously. I mean, so before I started Wake Up Wealthy Man, you know, I started out in the real estate space. Um, I was a pretty, pretty successful young solo agent. And uh, one of my first mentors in, in the real estate space was very dialed on personal development. And she, she really helped me. She's one of the biggest agents in the Midwest. And she really helped me help me grow and help me understand personal development, help me understand what I was capable of at such a crucial time in my life. Also, my first sponsor in AA, he was, um, he was very successful in business as well in the call center space. And that, you know, is actually after I left real estate, I got into the call center space and then, you know, kicked ass there for a while. And then when I got out of that, none of that work was fulfilling me. And that's why I started Wake Up Wealthy. But since my time then, I mean, dude, I have, um, invested in infinite programs, you know what I mean? in coaches, but it's some guys that like, I haven't worked directly with that have created a lot of change in my life. Um, Garrett J. White is one, do you know who he is with Wake Up Warrior? No. Garrett J. White is, has been a huge influence in my life. And a lot of the mentors that I've had in the last couple of years have been products of Garrett J. White in his programs. Um, obviously, you know, Tony Robbins made a huge impact in the phase that I was really studying him a ton. Um, Tim Ferriss really changed the way I viewed time and yeah. mechanics inside of business. That was a big, it was a big breakthrough phase. Um, another guy who really changed the way that I thought about what was possible in my body. Um, well, it was two guys. It, it, it was Rich Roll. Do you know who he is? Mm-hmm. He's a, he, he's an ultra runner and has an amazing podcast. Um, but I listened to Rich Roll's podcast with David Goggins. Oh yeah. That must've been smoke and fire. Oh, it was not, it was gnarly, you know, and this was December of 2018. Um, and then, so I'm 5'11", 220, like I'm not really built to run, but he made me crack open the hood from a mental toughness perspective. And I thought I was pretty tough. Right. And so it wasn't because David ran, but I was like, what do I hate more than anything in the world? Right. And it was running. And so, um, you know, last late August, I ended up running a 50 mile ultra marathon. I ran a thousand miles in 2019 and, uh, training for that. And there was so much to be downloaded and learned from that experience. Um, it was really hard. You learn a lot about yourself running. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, the whole David Goggins experience is, I think is, is very profound for a lot of people because it blew the lid off of what a lot of people think is possible. And so many people live from only comfort and doing what they feel like doing and they live that mediocre life. So listen, we could talk all day long. I'm really, um, I'm really enamored with your mission. It's very much in alignment with what I think the world needs today, which is people that are giving people a new blueprint uh, new spiritual code to, to live from because the one that's downloaded from society, quite frankly, needs to be updated and you're in that process. So kudos to you. How can people get in touch with you? Man, the best way is to hit me up on Instagram, you know, uh, at Brody Kern. I'm sure you'll, I'm sure you'll link it, but, uh, you know, that's where, that's where I built my following, built my core base. Um, I'm very, very involved. I'm not someone who is hard to approach, um, just hit me up. You know what I mean? At any level that I can serve someone, even if it is in, you know, a brief conversation conversation or just having someone share their story with me because they can't share it with anyone else. Um, I'm there to listen. I appreciate you. 
You've, you've done some good work. I can see that it's congruent. It's not just surface level. So congratulations. And let me remind the people that the words that follow I am follow you. So how would you describe yourself today? Today, that is an, a very interesting question. Um, I describe myself as someone who is, you know, been lucky enough to become a conduit for something much greater than myself. I'm simply a leader carrying a message um, that I truly believe matters. You know, I'm also I very, very, very care about the way I show up in the world. Um, I, I like to show up powerfully in my business, in the way that others see me, in the way that I show up in my family. You know, I, I am just about to come up on my two-year anniversary, wedding anniversary. Um, I have an 18-month-old son at home. And so, you know, I'm a young guy who is on a spiritual path. How would you describe yourself as a father? Man, at this phase, I'm sure you have kids. Three. It, it is... It is such an insane thing to even be a part of. Yeah. Um, I know what I am trying to work towards, um, but I describe myself as present, nice. which I think at this point is all I can ask for. Yeah. So I ask you those specifically as we wrap this up, because I want to remind people that oftentimes we don't really get clear on who we are in the different roles of our life when we have different roles, husband, son, father, brother, um, businessman. And it's really valuable as an exercise if people are willing to write out a couple of key words, even just three, right? To say, I am a present, caring, loving father. Like yeah. that's better than going, well, I'm a good dad. That doesn't give you- 100%, wildly did. Right, doesn't give you guardrails of behavior, right? So, so I invite everybody that's listening um, to follow this beautiful soul, Brody, who's done some work on himself and is proof that you too can become whatever you want and become a conduit for and a force for good. So thank you so much, Brody. Absolutely. Pleasure to be here. So that's it for today's episode of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week who posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to be Rock's private VIP mastermind guest. Then head on over to rockyourmoneyrockyourlife.com and pick up a copy of Rock's free gift so you too can reach your financial potential, enjoy extraordinary success, and live the life you've imagined. Join us on the next episode.